Romance at a glance. Uh huh. Romance at a glance. What you say now? Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. Hello, Amy. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm really excited because uh, when I was sent your book uh, by the publisher, they were like, hey, do you think you would want to feature this? And I was like, absolutely, yes, because like the premise is so fun. And we're always trying to include more representation, not only from like the author standpoint and our author interviews, but also from the main character standpoints. And it was nice to see someone who I feel like is kind of like me in the sense that I feel like there's been really amazing strides in like uh, characters who are really curvy or plus sized. And then obviously there's like, you know, the traditional heroines who are all like, let's say, you know, zero through 10 or something or zero through eight. And it was nice to see someone who's like in the middle because I'm like athletic. I work out. I'm really strong, but I am not a skinny woman, nor could I ever be. I just don't have the body type for it. Um, So I was really excited. So I'm excited to talk to you. Yay. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. When you were starting to write the book, because I know that you have a full-time job, when you were starting to write the book, was it something like, oh, I've always wanted to write. I have this great idea for a story. Like, how did that all start rolling? Yeah. So I have written fiction technically my whole life, I guess, since I could hold a crayon. I used to steal my parents' printer paper and doodle little stories and type away at my family desktop computer in the basement, Um, angsty kind of teens love stories, I guess you could say, that were probably based on my own life and my own, my own situations with boys. Um, But even more so, I was always, always an avid reader. By the time I reached university and college, reading and, and writing just kind of fell to the wayside, you know, as, as I just got busy with academic stuff and social stuff. And it wasn't until after I finished grad school that um, reading came back on the table. Because I think, you know, once I got my job, I was commuting, and I had, you know, Mm -hmm. lunch breaks and, and time to actually read again. And the cool thing was that I noticed was when I was walking through bookstores, like brick and mortar bookstores, so Indigo chapters here in Canada, I noticed different but I guess diverse people on the covers, which I hadn't really mm-hmm. noticed before. And, you know, I remember seeing Laura Jean from To All the Boys I Loved Before, mm-hmm. which is a YA rom-com. Um, she was on the cover and I picked it up and I was just shocked because again, I had never seen something like that before. And until then, it just kind of seemed like main character status was always reserved for white characters or, or very yep. ideal looking characters. And this was just something that I thought was so special about romance because we were seeing it more and more, especially, you know, with the contemporary romance boom in about, you know, 2016 to 2018. And so I started reading more and more contemporary romance. And as that obsession heightened, I couldn't ignore that gnawing urge to write something of my own and kind of be a part of this, you know, diverse change. And so I started crafting scenarios in my head. And one day I just opened the blank word doc and unfortunately set on you didn't come until a little bit after (laughs) I had actually written two really bad books prior to that. And by bad, I mean, like they won't see the light of day. They were really bad, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, and interestingly enough both of those characters were white and I actually tried querying the second book and did not have any luck I got 
like 50 plus rejections from literary agents who mm-hmm. ultimately sell the book to a publisher. And so I kind of was just in the, the mindset that maybe publishing wasn't going to be for me. Maybe I didn't have what it took to be an author. And while I was sort of toiling over all the rejection, I started writing Set on You, which was a totally different book for me because Crystal was more like myself and I kind of saw part of myself in her. And I think that that's why writing it came so much more naturally. It was way more of a special experience. And so when I actually went around to query that book, it was a totally different experience from the first, which was again, all rejection. This one I ended up getting, um, I think it was three offers of representation from literary agents. And awesome. that book became set on you, which is coming out really soon. That's awesome. I mean, I think perseverance, like for any author seems to be like a really high component of just like you keep writing, if it's a bad book, no worries. Just write another one. Just keep on moving. Keep querying. I also love, I think part of the reason why this book was successful and people wanted it is like the specific, the little specificity things of being biracial. My husband is Korean and I can completely imagine my father-in-law like talking shit. Cause I know he's talked shit about bland food before in Korean around me. But being like, oh, this turkey is shitty and everyone being like, shut <laughs> up, just just eat it. You know what I mean? Like, that is 100% something that I have. Ex- my husband tells me all the time, like, you should put more spice in this. And I'm like, you know what? If you want to cook, bro, like, the kitchen <laughs> yeah. is open. Like, You put more spice food. on yours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He always puts more. He always, like, leave out some some spicy stuff for him. But, I so, like, that. that stuff, I really, I really enjoyed that because that – I mean, I think in general just makes a book have more depth, the character have more depth when they have those things. How did you get to like the Instagram sort of, cause she's a fitness influencer. Like how did that, had she been following any influencers and just like thinking about what their life must be like? So actually before, well, I guess while I was writing, I ended up joining Bookstagram and mm-hmm. book influencing is a totally different thing than, you know, Fitstagramming and stuff. But I kind of, I mean, book influencers are still influencers. So I got a little bit of a taste of what that was like because I was getting emails to, you know, promote products and stuff like that. And I can only imagine what it would be like for someone with, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers. But when I was, I guess in my younger 20s, I followed a ton of fitness influencers because I've, you know, been going to the gym on and off my whole life. And there was one point, I think in the lead up to my wedding where I was following a ton of them and it was all that I saw on my feed, just ripped, ripped, super (laughs) ideal body type fitness influencers. And when you see, when you only see those types of bodies, you begin to kind of think like, wow, everybody looks like this. Am I the only one that doesn't look like this? And it kind of gets to you, especially I can't imagine, you know, what it must be like as a really young person seeing that not just with fitness influencers, but beauty influencers and fashion influencers. And I think nowadays, influencer culture and social media has just become such such a part of life. And I know that social media and influencing is kind of a newer thing, I guess, in contemporary romances and books. But really, I think it's, it's something that's really here to stay. It's something that all the young people are looking at. I say that like I'm super old. Um, It's just, yeah, it's a staple now. And so it was something that I was really interested in capturing, whether that would be, you know, the, the amazing parts about influencing and finding community, 
or the the kind of negative side, which is, you know, the internet hate and the trolls and people who, who don't see you as human and just write whatever they want. Yeah. I always, I've said this on the podcast before, but it always astonishes me that someone will take time out of their day to write something negative because it's not in my nature. If I see something I don't like, I just immediately swipe to the next thing. Like, I'm like, cool, yeah. not for me. Like, or, oh, I think you're like, I might say it out loud in my own house, like, oh, you're a piece of shit. And then I swipe and I don't, but I don't take the time to like type that out or like judge people about their life, just, you know, life choices. Like if I know that person personally, I might like sidebar and be like, BT dubs, like, are you okay? Should I be concerned? Yeah. <laughs> or is that a joke? Oh, it's a joke. Okay, cool. And so I, I liked that you put that in there because it, it is really astounding. Like we made a video and I mean, it got like 250,000 views on um, YouTube. And like some of the comments were not even about the content. They were just like, that one girl's fat. And you're like, and oh my so? God. what's the point? What? Okay. Yeah. Like just great. Mean. Good information. Uh- <laughs> like what's point that is so awful and I just feel I'm a huge follower of celebrities and pop culture Mm -hmm. as you probably could tell by the book and I always notice you know whenever certain celebrities just get get totally trolled and shamed Mm -hmm. I remember even Selena Gomez a couple years ago she and she's gorgeous you know super ideal body and everything and Mm -hmm. she always gets really trolled over her weight and I remember you know, thinking, well, if she's a celebrity, she probably gets this all the time. You know, why does it bother celebrities at this status so much? But I think, you know, it's, I was watching the Kardashians actually, and Chloe was talking about that and, and how you can get trolled all the time, but some days, some days you're having a really bad day and one comment slips through and you read it and it just gets to you and it doesn't matter yeah. how famous you are. It's it, just words are yeah. just really, really hurtful. Yeah, and our brains, unfortunately, always remember the negative stuff. Like, we don't remember the nine positive things. We only remember the one nasty thing someone said to us. 100%. Um, Plus, like, I can see where, like, the volume of them that they're getting, it's just, like, I would almost be thinking, like, is this confirming something that I should know? Or, like, like, am I missing something about my own self? Like, or maybe it's, like, you know, confirming something that I already think kind of in my subconscious, like I'm too, you know, extra to X, Y, Z. Right. So what was, what is your, like with a full-time job, what is your writing sort of, what is, do you write on nights? Do you write on weekends? Do you have a set schedule? Like how do you fit in writing full-time novels? That's a great question because sometimes I don't know. I, lucky, luckily I do not have kids yet. And so I think that's my saving grace is that when I, so I work my nine to five, I get home, you know, I make dinner, take care of the house, hang out with my dog and my husband, but I don't have kids to be running around doing things for. So Mm -hmm. luckily my evenings typically are fairly free to write if I want to write or weekends. Um, But I will say I'm also lucky because I'm able to take vacation time uh, at my job if I need it and personal days as well. Uh, But I will also say that writing while having a full-time job is a lot of sacrifice too, because I, if I have my weekends reserved to write, I can't just say, yeah, I'll I'll go to my friend's place or I'll go away on this weekend trip. I've got to really think about my writing schedule and stuff. So, but I find that having a busy schedule 
makes it so that when I have time to write, I'm going to write. I'm not going to sit there and, you know, scroll Instagram and scroll. Yeah. You're more motivated when you have limited time, but it's tiring. (laughs) Do you think, do you think like if you ever got to a point in your writing career that you would want to switch to full-time writing or do you like the balance of having like an outside job? Gosh, I don't know. A lot of people ask this, but I think, I think because I'm a debut, it's all so new that I have just, I'm not there yet. I I think that writing full-time would be a lot of pressure in the sense that you're, I guess your income and your Mm -hmm. lifestyle is dependent on the book or getting the next book deal. And I think that that would be a lot of pressure. I mean, yeah. If, if say my spouse was super wealthy and I, and I could just do that on the side and not have to worry about bills, like that would be ideal. And I totally would probably try to write full time if that were the case, but it's not, we need my income. Um, so yeah, I think for now I'd like to, to keep my job and, you know, keep writing on the side, but you never know. When you got your book deal, who was like the first person that you called? Like was that a friend, your husband, like your mom? So my husband was in the room when my okay. agent called me. So I was just like, like this on the phone and, and he was in the doorway, like <laughs> silently <laughs> celebrating. So it was, yeah, it was, uh, he, he, I guess he was the first one to find out. You, <laughs> that's always my favorite is when you're like trying to be professional on the phone, but you're like <laughs> fist pumping in the corner and you're like, absolutely. Thank you so much for calling. You hang up and you're like, like just dancing. Oh yeah. I think when, when I hung up with my agent, I screamed. (laughs) I was just like, "Ah." (laughs) it was, it was fun. I mean, it's amazing. It's a huge accomplishment. How did, how did like, I thought your cover was so cute. Did you get to be involved in the cover art or did they kind of just say like, Hey, here's your cover. So I think cover process, it depends on the publisher. So some publishers, Mm -hmm. they'll like, I've heard from, from other authors that they will give you your cover and and that's it. That's final. And other publishers are pretty, let let the author be pretty involved. So Mm -hmm. luckily for me, my editor had asked me quite a ways in advance. I want to say she asked me like a year and a half in advance, what's your ideal cover? What kind of covers do you like that are already in existence? What kind of styles do you like? And can you give me a, I guess, mood board or character inspo and and actors and pictures and stuff like that, that we can use. So me being extra, I gave a 10 page PDF. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which probably, like, I'm sure she said she meant like you know one pager, yeah, <laughs> like, ten pages. Just because I was just so excited because book covers, like especially being a bookstagrammer, I just mm-hmm. love design. I love mm-hmm. you know those vibrant colors, and I had kind of a specific, uh, I guess, just vibe that I wanted. I wanted something that was super bright and fun, and a little bit abstract um, that would kind of pop on, mm-hmm. on a shelf or at the store. So yeah, I gave that 10 page PDF and they came back with, uh, I think three different options. So th- three different directions. And I asked them to meld two together. So that's what we ended up with. And then we kind of played around with the colors and stuff and yeah, that's, that's the end product. I, I thought it was so cute. Like the, I think you're right. Like it does pop off the shelf, that color so bright. Cause I feel like a lot of people have white shelves. So it's like a nice, bright, happy color. Like it screams right. like rom-com to me. Speaking yeah. of character inspiration, like if you were 
to have a Netflix movie as to all the boys I love before, who would be your, your main MCs? Oh, well, Scott Ritchie, for sure. Who's, who's the hero of set on you would be, we all know Chris Evans is 100% the inspiration as, as you can kind of see on the cover, like it, it sort of looks like him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he he is though I think 40 plus years old so I mean age-wise it probably wouldn't actually work because these characters mm-hmm. are about 10 years younger unfortunately mm-hmm. I think he still could play a 30 year old if he tried I think he could play 30 <laughs> makeup he could play 30 <laughs> he could pull it off um so yeah he he would be the ideal for the hero and for the heroine it's hard because there aren't a lot of Asian kind of curvier actresses that I can think mm-hmm. of. There are some models mm-hmm. and stuff, but in terms of actors, honestly, I don't know. And, and everybody always asks that. And I always have the same answer that I, I'm not sure. But one actress that I that I love is Lana Condor. Like I just love mm-hmm. her. I think she's I was gonna say so, she's pretty curvy. Yeah, and she's got amazing comedic timing. She's got the sarcasm. Yes. I, I I adore her. She would have to go to like an excessive boot camp because I don't know if she could be doing CrossFit workouts while filming. <laughs> That's okay. That's what just, movie studios are for. Yeah, they just film them in little segments. You don't have yeah. to do a full lift. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that would be cute. I also love Chris Evans. I mean, who doesn't love Chris Evans? <sighs> He's the best Chris. He's, and I will. I he is, will. He's the best Chris. Yeah, I will go down fighting on, on that one. How do you feel about Sebastian Stan? Because if you like a good twinkle in the eye, Sebastian has it too. Oh, I love him. I particularly love him as the Winter Soldier with that long hair. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about men who look like they haven't showered, but I'm all for it. <laughs> like, okay, so you, are you a fan of the Lord of the Rings? Because I know it's in your book. I, I so, am. <laughs> Okay, so were you also devastated when Aragorn became the king and they brushed his hair to put the crown on? Because I was literally like through popcorn in the theater. I was filled with righteous fury. And I was like, why would you destroy the, like, don't clean him. We don't want him clean. We want him as dirty as possible. 100%. It took down his sex appeal like 30%. <laughs> I know. Oh, he God, he is at his peak in, in the first movie, in The Fellowship. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> It's just great. Also, the great story of that movie. Guys, I'm going to give you a fun movie fact in case you didn't know this. But he was cast like three days before the movie started because someone else was cast. They got recast. They realized he was too young. And the reason he took the role, because he didn't want to because it was in New Zealand for a couple of years. He was unsure. Is his 11-year-old was a huge Lord of the Rings fan. and was like, you have to be Aragorn dad. You have to do it. So he did it just for his son. And he showed up. Everyone else had been prepping for like, he just showed up. And a few days later he was just like in full costume and was Aragorn and just like he would like practice with his sword walking down the street and like the cops would like pull him over and be like what are you (laughs) doing like waving the sword around I love him so much we go he's a very method actor I heard like he he just gets into character which I I love that dedication (laughs) I also like weirdly wanted him to marry my mom at one point but also like I was attracted to him and I was like this feels really angsty and taboo but like I I was like mom I need you to like meet him and fall in love with him but also like I don't know maybe I have to steal him from you I'm not but sure I want him this is gonna become a taboo romance really quickly in our life if you marry Hugo Mortensen oh um, did like uh, was there a chance did she know him or just ask no no of him? course not <laughs> Is this legit? Okay. 
I would. I mean, that would have been even, that would have been weirder if I, we actually knew him. But no, we, we never knew him. We just, she was convinced that he was like her soulmate. And I was all on board for it. I was like, I think you should marry him. But also, I might be attracted to him. I might and I don't him. know. I might steal him from you. Or I might try. I don't know if I can, but I might try. So back to, back to, well, we don't ever have to go back to things. But in your book, like, one of the things I feel like, personally, I didn't necessarily connect with just because I'm not as, like, neurotic. But I know a lot of friends have a really hard time of, like, letting go of someone cheats on them and, and, like, treating the person that they're with like giving them all of the trust even though someone else broke the trust how did you balance that like sort of journey throughout the book and like did did your publisher or your not your publisher did your editor like help you kind of like work on that arc of her I'll say like trust issues with being cheated on um I think that it was something that was pretty formed in the draft already when it was submitted um I knew that I wanted that to be part of her arc just because I think it goes kind of goes in tandem with the the final kind of conflict that she she goes through. So, you know, in the beginning of the book, she's recently got out of a crappy relationship where, you know, she has been cheated on or she thought she was cheated on and there's just distrust. And I went through myself personally. So I, I understand how that can be. You just, you don't want to take that out on, you know, the next person that comes into your life, but you can't help sometimes but let that seep in just because Mm -hmm. if you were burned once, you know, who knows if it can happen again. And especially because she sees Crystal sees Scott as kind of a a big flirt and she doesn't Mm -hmm. know if, if that kind of personality is super trustworthy. And I think that it, again, it kind of goes in line with her trusting herself in, in, I guess, reading the comments and being able to stay, true to what her original beliefs are about, you know, body positivity and and fitness and her original platform and how other people's perceptions can, can change her mind about that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it was something that was already pretty formed when we submitted it. Cool. Also like is firefighter in Canada also just like the ultimate thirst trap of like, (laughs) like I, I, I'm going to tell you a funny story about firefighters. So when I was 23, I think I was, I used to bike everywhere because I didn't have a car. So I was biking to work and I got, uh, someone opened their car door. They call it getting doored. I don't know if that's a thing in Canada, but I got doored right. by this car, flipped over my handlebars, like smashed her shoulder up. So anyways, as I'm sitting there and they call 911, we're waiting for like the ambulance to come. The fire truck arrives first. And literally my first thought snapped me out of like blinding pain was they're not hot what the fuck kind of nonsense is this? Because I was like, at least if I'm in all of this pain, I should be rewarded with hot firefighters who are going to carry me to the ambulance. That was what I felt. Should have it's done. only fair. My, it's only fair. And they were all like older, like not like, oh, hot, like I'm in my 30s, in my 40s older, but like, you know, like 50, like a <laughs> couple of them were like kind of overweight. And I was like, what is happening? I was like... <laughs> The EMTs were not cute. The doctor wasn't cute. And I was like, 
romance has sold me the wrong bill of goods. I've watched way too many rom-coms in my life because this should not be happening. I get injured and I am due a very cute, flirtatious moment. That's my due. Oh, no. Yeah, that's one of those things where movies and the books set you up for, for failure. <laughs> I, I think with, with firefighters, it's funny because I'm from a small town and firefighters aren't I guess it's not a profession per se. There's not an official firehouse. There's, well, mm-hmm. I guess there is a firehouse, but the people who work there are all volunteer firefighters. Mm. So they're literally just dudes Regular who have jobs who, who yeah. just do firefighting on the side. And that's not to say they're not as heroic or talented, but oftentimes, yeah, they don't look the part. They're super mm. middle-aged, like dads. <laughs> yeah, dad bobs, dads. <laughs> Just and, and it's funny because every time I live in a bigger city now, so every time I see a fire truck roll by, I always look to see. <laughs> or every time I go by a fire station and the the doors are open, I kind of peek in just to still see. And yeah, most of the time I don't love what I see, so I guess I just kind of wrote <laughs> wrote the fantasy. Wrote the fantasy, yes. Because I've seen the calendars. I love that her first thought was. <laughs> Uh, are you in a calendar and which month should I look at? Because I was <laughs> yeah. like, that would be my first thought too. Oh, you have a six pack. You've been in a calendar. I want to see you at the firehouse with very little on with like sweaty chest and maybe <laughs> with some the soot pole. <laughs> with the pole. Give me the visual. A hundred percent. That would have been my first thought too. Oh yeah. Oh, my oh gosh. yeah. What are your, what are your like go-to rom-coms? Like if you're having a bad day and you're like, I just want to rewatch a favorite rom-com. Like what, what are you reaching for? So like a book or a movie? Oh, either. Whichever one you want to start with. Oh, okay. So for books, I love... Okay, so I don't know if it's a rom-com per se, but The Simple Wild by K.A. Tucker. That one, I actually got me onto Bookstagram because I had a book hanging over from it just because of the the enemies to lovers banter. I love um, a city girl goes to rural place trope. And the, mm-hmm. the hero is based on, um, the guy from the, from Vikings. So like oh, he, he's sexy. Ragnar Lothbrook. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, love him. I Especially love season one. Look, he's, he's season hot. one when he's Smoking the young hot. farmer. Oh, oh kill and me. So, it's just the best. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so that book, I, I had a book hangover after that one and I just desperately needed someone to talk to about it, but none of my friends in real life read romance. So I was like, gosh, I got to go to the internet for this. And that's where I found Bookstagram. So that book has a special place in my heart. I think other rom-coms, I, I love Christina Lauren's books, The Unhoneymooners, mm-hmm. Josh and Hazel. I love The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. Of course, everybody loves that one. But, oh, there's just so many. I just, The Hating Game by Sally Thorne. Mm-hmm. That one. Did you watch the movie? Yes. Yes, I did watch the movie. So I good. It. Yes. I was I, so I, pleased. Great so adaptation. Good. Yes. And yes. The, the comedy was great. Lucy Hale is always amazing. It was, yes. yeah. It was, it was they great. had sizzling chemistry too. I was like, because I feel like sometimes when they go romance novel, they tend to like uh, veer a little bit more into like the cutesy or like not the, I don't want to say cutesy because that sounds like a negative word, but like more into the heartfelt versus the like steam. Yeah. And yes. I love the heart. I love the feels. I want to like have a big smile on my face, but also if you're writing an enemies, you know, I'm watching an enemies to lovers movie. Like I want there to be some tension. I want oh, some yeah. sexiness. And that totally. movie was sexy. If you guys My- have not watched it yet, uh, I watched it on, I think I bought it on Amazon prime or something to rent. It was very good. 
Yes, highly recommend. And you know, I always say with romantic comedies, I just wish that there were really high budget romantic comedies that were super steamy. Like, where mm-hmm. is that? Because mm-hmm. I want that. I want like 365 days Netflix level steam with yes. like with a rom-com that's yes. super high I budget. want, yeah, I want a Tessa Bailey book to be on screen at, verbatim as is. Yeah. With eight eight sex scenes, a whole bunch of foreplay, dirty talk up the wazoo, but also like really cute moments, really heartfelt moments, the swoon. I want it all. Oh yeah, and an A list actor. <laughs> yes, a hundred great acting, great side characters. Because I also think sometimes like uh, I'm trying to think of one that had good steam, like this mean this means war. Did you see that one with Reese Witherspoon and um, Chris Pine, one of the Chris's and. Uh, Who's the other one? It was like a love triangle. Tom Hardy. Did you watch that? I never saw that actually. Okay. It's from, I want to say like 2016-ish. I don't know. I'm just making up a year. Somewhere in that realm. And it's like two secret, they're both secret agents and they both start dating her, but they have some actual like steamy moments of, but they're also, but they're still like PG-13 steamy. They're still not like rated R like, but that, that one was, that was okay. Oh, now I gotta watch it. I'm with you though. I'm with you though. I want, I, I definitely want it all. Okay. So what movie, if you were going to just like binge a, binge a rom-com movie, what would you put in? Oh, I, so I recently went to see the lost city. How's that? Oh, it was so funny. So funny. Okay. I think it's really hard to find like a true rom-com now because mm-hmm. a lot of them are older from, you know, the these yeah. early two thousands, but this was a modern, probably the best modern one that I've seen with Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, Brad Pitt makes an appearance. I mean, yeah. it was, it was hilarious. I think also too, I went to see it in theaters and you know, when you're in the theater and everyone's laughing, it it's mm-hmm. funnier. So maybe yes. that was the case, but oh, that one, that one was great. Movie theaters are my absolute, like literally I call them my church because like I love movies so much. I go every single week with my husband. COVID was so hard for me because that like there were no movies for two years and me and my husband were like, what do we even do with our lives? We can't go to the movies together and like eat popcorn. I didn't watch that one yet. Here's my concern with it is that Sandra Bullock has gotten quite a bit of upper lip surgery situation and it doesn't move anymore. And it, it's it kind of did that distract you or maybe it, maybe it's just me i didn't notice actually okay so maybe it's maybe it isn't as noticeable in this movie or maybe it was just there was what uh, what movie did i watch oh the one where she's quiet um the netflix one um, oh the, the birds is that what it's bird called? birdcage bird, bird, bird something yeah something with birds <laughs> yeah and i was like why isn't her her upper lip is not moving. I was so distracted the whole movie. I was like, what's happening? What's happening in her face? Uh, and it's so I, do, I love. If you, if you can ignore her lip, it, it's worth okay. it. Okay. Okay, good. Because I love everything she's ever, I mean, I've seen every single movie she's ever made. And I also love Channing Tatum. I do remember you, did you when see... she, I was going to say She's the Man was like one of my favorite movies. Oh, I love She's the Man. That one's good. Did, did you watch The Proposal? Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. That's amazing. That one's, that one's great. Amazing. <laughs> I could not think of two better people to be in a romance together because they're so funny. Their timing is so good. They're so wacky. Oh, yeah. And like the, the family, scene where she's oh. chasing that dog run. Yeah. Great side characters. Yes. It, yes, all, it had all the good. elements. Everything was working. Great. Alaska setting. Yeah. And, and, and publishing industry. I think she was, she was the editor yes. and he was her assistant. 
Yes. Oh, yeah. That's right. A little boss employee trope. That's yeah. fun. <laughs> our next, our next season that we're doing um, on the podcast is a trope season. So we're gonna do, <gasps> we're gonna do dads. So we're gonna do like single dad. You know, like my boyfriend's dad. My, you know, whatever. Couple dads. Then we're gonna do fake dating because I enjoy fake dating. I think it's so fun. Oh, yeah. We're going to do a billionaires and or royalty somewhere in that space. We're going to do, we're thinking about enemies to lovers, but then we decided that's like such a huge one Mm -hmm. that we'll probably have one or two sprinkled amongst the other genres, but that we didn't want it to be its own genre. I'm excited though. It's going to be a hoot. Give me all the tropes, as many tropes as you can pack in. I'll take them all. (laughs) Yeah. Cause like, I think the, they, provide this like really nice ease to me like I know if it's enemies to lovers no matter how much like shit they talk to each other like it'll all be okay in the end because they're gonna (laughs) fall in love and like the journey of how they fall in love is the fun part Um, exactly and I like all the setups and stuff because first of all sometimes they're goofy and hysterical and then sometimes they're like so well done you don't even realize that you were in that trope till the end you're like hey hey wait a minute (laughs) Totally. Oh yeah. Do do you, I have a question. Do you like secret baby trope? Okay. Shawnee's a big fan. My co-host loves it. Loves a secret baby. I don't think I've read enough to really make a qualified decision. I don't, we've, I think we read one so far on the podcast and I liked the book. So I'm definitely not against a secret baby. I'm just not like, I, I don't, I don't really have an opinion one way or other, but she really enjoys it. She reads a ton of historical romance where I think secret babies happen more often. Oh, yeah. Um, that makes sense. <laughs> I, I just feel like secret babies sound hysterical. So I feel like it would make me giggle. Um, my, my least favorite thing about babies in general relating to books is like when they're not like on purpose. So I don't like when all of a sudden everything's fine. And then it's like epilogue, we had a baby. And I'm like, but why? Cause like, <laughs> I mean, who cares? Like, you know, we didn't need that epilogue. The the romance was done. You did it. And then you added this, (laughs) you tacked on this little like four pages that I didn't feel like I needed. And then also when there's like no mention of any kind of birth control and they have sex with no protection, but then all I can think about the whole book is like, okay, but when's she going to get pregnant? Because now you've been, (laughs) you've been raw dogging this whole book. So like somebody's got to get pregnant. So that bugs me because then I'm like distracted. And then Uh, in general, I just think it's like in real life and in books mean to like tell someone you're pregnant and not be pregnant. So I also uh, don't like that. Totally. It's very deceitful. I find I've read a couple books where it's like the trope of, I guess, getting a baby. So, you know, you inherit a baby from a sibling or a friend or whatever, and then you raise it. And I find sometimes with those, when the baby is like in the picture for the book, the baby disappears like where's the baby while you're doing all these things like it's like this logistical nightmare and as an author I totally get it it's hard to figure out what's going on with the kid but it's like that's the plot point where's the kid (laughs) I I know I just brought up Tessa Bailey but she literally just posted about she'll put in pets and then all of her notes in her book are like where's the cat what's the cat doing (laughs) and then she just takes the cat out altogether because she's like fuck it I don't know where the cat is I lost too much (laughs) too much cat yeah I agree I agree with that Cause like I was laughing because I don't know if you've ever read any of Finley Fenn's books. She's an indie author who writes the orc um, romance monster romance. I haven't read them. Oh, you might like them. Cause they're kind of like almost like so, some of them are 
it depends on which one you're reading, but some of them are kind of like light and funny and rom com but like they're just orcs and humans. Anyways, I enjoyed them a lot, but me and um, uh, another reviewer were laughing because we were like, what is she going to do? And later, all of them are having babies. That's kind of like the point of the, the plot. So that's like on purpose, they're breeding. But I'm like, what are they going to do? Like later, they're all trying to like get it down. And now there's babies <laughs> just fucking running <laughs> running rampant in this in this orc mountain like are we gonna do an orc daycare we're we just gonna everybody yeah. drops their little orc off at daycare so that everybody can just be like banging non-stop all day long because they also the have like life. they also have like sex in front of other characters is like a very voyeuristic like it, not even voyeuristic necessarily but just like oh we don't even notice when someone's like banging next to us or we'll watch it's just like, the okay, norm. cool <laughs> exactly so i'm like um what are you guys gonna do and there's toddlers and like kids just running around going ha 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 look at your penis like, like <laughs> <laughs> she takes the sexy right out right yeah out a kid can definitely ruin the moment <laughs> oh my god that makes me laugh so hard yeah so secret baby not my favorite i do like I would say, like, one of my original OG favorite tropes is Faded Mates, because I love sci-fi, I love fantasy, and uh, paranormal, so, like, you know, and I also, well, this would be a good question for you, is, like, if you're writing in one of those spaces, you can kind of ignore the rules of society, because I don't need to worry that he just kidnapped her and and bound her to him for eternity, because he's a werewolf, so, like, what's he gonna do? It's his Faded Mate, that's just, that's just the it, you know, that's his society. Whereas if a human being kidnapped a lady, that's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah, man. you got a moral. <laughs> yeah. Like, would you ever want to write in a space where you didn't have to like follow sort of the rules of what is like acceptable in a contemporary? Because contemporaries have to really, I think, be more careful even than historicals. Like you can let go of a lot of stuff because you're like, it's historical and Obviously, if it's like involving aliens or monsters, you can be like, whatever. Yeah, but but in contemporary, I sort of, de- I in my mind at least, demand like, okay, but you have to follow like the acknowledged rules of modern society. Totally. I, I think with contemporary, there are certain tropes that are much harder to do. Like, for example, marriage of convenience. You could mm-hmm. easily do that in historical, but then in, in modern day, it's like you have to have a really good reason or fake dating. Right. Like, there's got to be an excellent reason for why you're pretending to be married. Like, it's, it's just such an odd thing that like nobody actually really does. So um, I think, yeah, I I mostly read contemporary. So that's pretty much what I've written. I I love like fantasy and and sci-fi and stuff like that, but I've never actually read a lot of romance with that subgenre. And so I think for me, I don't want to say I'm lazy, but I feel like world building and all that. It's hard. That would be a lot. It would be hard. And I already have a problem with writing too many words. And so if I were to, and if I were to add description and, you know, a whole society and rules and stuff, I just think it would be like a 300,000 book. It'd be a lot. It'd be a lot. (laughs) Did you have to like cut down your, like set on you when you were in edits? Did you have to kind of like trim down the book as you originally sent it in? Yeah, I think my process is usually when I'm writing, I zero draft first. So zero draft is basically, you know, you just word vomit 
everything that you're thinking, you don't really go back and fix things. You don't make it sound nice. It's just there. It's just the story. And I find that usually is very underdeveloped because I will put placeholders like insert description here, insert better thoughts here, make, make better. And sometimes it's just dialogue, just dialogue. And then I go back in layers and add description or internal thoughts and, and things like that. And then, you know, make the, the banter better or the dialogue mm-hmm. better. And sometimes as I do that, I go way overboard. And so I think I usually, I self edit the word counts. So if I'm seeing that it's really, if I'm at like 70,000 words and I'm only at 50%, I, <laughs> I won't move on until I cut down because it's otherwise it's just, it's going to bug me too much. And I have to right. just, it has to work before I keep going. And so usually I always take all the things that I overwrite and I shove them into a a Word document to save for later because sometimes I do add things in or I find a better place for it or I can even put it into a different project, Mm -hmm. a different book. So the words are never to waste. It's just a lot of times they they don't belong because it doesn't have a purpose or it's, it's a repeat of something else. What's like, what do you aim at when you're writing a book? So for a contemporary rom-com adult, I usually try anywhere between 80,000 to 100,000 words. Okay. So most of my books are are around there. I think the last book that I wrote and handed in, it's about 101 or something. (laughs) So I was like, editor, please. I hope this is okay. Hope it's not too long. (laughs) And then how, so like, obviously this book is coming out this month. So what is your... Like, do you have more books that are in development, more books that you've already been contracted for? Like, where's the... Yeah, so this book is one of three. So the series was bought um, as a three-book deal, and they are all about um, influencers. So book one is Is Crystal, the fitness influencer. So Tara, the sister, is next, and she is a big influencer. And then... Oh, right. Okay, that's right. Their friend Mel is the fashion beauty influencer and yep. she is the third book. Okay, cool. Oh, I'm excited. I'm yeah. Excited. Very excited. Yeah. I finished um, writing Terrace and I think that that one is my favorite. Don't tell the others, but that was my favorite. <laughs> okay, I won't tell anyone. Except for you, dear <laughs> listeners. You guys don't tell anyone either. <laughs> yeah, don't tell Crystal and Mel. <laughs> like, I also think it's cute because you know, she's the bookstagrammer. So it makes sense that she's your favorite. It's gotta be. Yeah. Yeah. Her, her voice is just, I think I, I usually purposely try not to make my characters like me because Mm -hmm. I just, I'm not very interesting. I'm really boring. So I'd rather, you know, make someone really (laughs) cool. Like Crystal's so cool. I can't ever be as cool as her, but with Tara, I, there's just, I, I think I find parts of myself that I just amplify in a character and Tara is, is a very interesting character. She's just really fun. Her voice just came a lot more naturally, even though her mm-hmm. book was actually the hardest to write by far. The like guy I rewrote that book a lot. It took, can I think, you, three times as long. Can you give us like a trope hint on like what we're what we're up for? So it is, I guess, second chance romance, but with a twist. Wannabe second chance romance and roommance. So Ooh. roommates. To friends, nice. to lovers, I guess. I like a good room. I read The Roommate. Um, yeah. Oh. By Rosie Dannon. Steamy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so good. So steamy. So fun. Amazing. So great. I loved that. And it's funny because I, 
like I don't read like contemporary romance is not my go-to genre. So it's always fun when I dip back in because I find it like really refreshing because usually, I mean, not always, obviously, but like usually if I'm going contemporary, I'm going like rom-com contemporary. So it's like right. funny, the banter's there, it's light and it puts me in a good mood. And I feel like it's like, I always call it like a great palette cleanser, like for in dark yeah. romance. And then I like, I'll like bang out a couple rom-coms to like make myself <laughs> happy again. You know totally. I mean? Like if I've been reading like deep fantasy, there's so much world building and stuff. And then I'll just like rip through five rom-coms to like, you know, just kind of like bring the mood <laughs> back up. So I, I do the same thing. I read some dark thrillers and yeah. after a dark thriller, I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> yeah. I just feel dark now. So I got to yeah. read a, a rom-com. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I'm like, I went too far. I went too far to the darkness. <laughs> yeah. take, take me back up. <laughs> take me to the light. <laughs> take me to the light. So when you are working with a publisher, do you have to choose like how long is in between your releases or is that completely up to them? So that is something that's up to them completely. Okay. So we, we don't have, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we could ask for things, but I don't know that they, they would say yes, because it, like Berkeley, for example, my publisher, they have so many books on their schedule. And so yeah. I, I doubt they can, you know, move things around for one person as sure. I think most authors at Berkeley are on about a one, one per year or nine month to a year schedule. My first book set on you comes out May 10th, but the second book is slated right now for January, 2023. So it's not actually that long in between. Yeah. But I mean, publishing schedules change a lot too. My pub date for this book changed often. So who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? Well, that would be exciting if it's early next year. That's not too long to wait. Yes. I'm very Um, excited. Where's your favorite place? Because now we're entering into summer, although in Chicago, it's still 40 degrees and freezing and terrible. (laughs) And I want it to be warm. But where's your favorite place? Like, if you're going to go read in the summer, and are you like a curl up in the couch inside? Are you a porch? Are you a beach? Like, where's your favorite place to read? So I I will say, I'm in Canada and it snowed yesterday. And we're nearing on May. So it's It, it snowed on Monday here. Yeah, it's, what Brutal. is going on? Um, summer is hard to come by here in Ottawa specifically. Okay. We had very few months, um, but I think usually I, I, if it's a hot, sunny day, I love to be in the backyard at the pool or at the beach if I can go to the beach. Um, yeah, definitely in the summer. I love to be outside, but if it's if it's rainy or kind of cold, usually I would just prefer to be on the couch being a potato. Yeah. Yes, cup of tea or coffee, whatever you're into, just curled up, nice blankie. Or okay, the bath. This Actually, the... I like the bath. Oh, <gasps> a girl after my own heart. The bath is my favorite place. Bath reading is the best. <laughs> It is. That's actually like one of my favorite things about the Kindle. So my husband, right before COVID hit, convinced me to buy a Kindle because we went on vacation and I brought like seven, like three hardcovers. <laughs> like I brought so many books and I was like, why the fuck's your suitcase so heavy? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's not the 10 books I had to bring. He's like, no it's a week vacation. And I was like, yeah, I need a book a day in case I don't want to run out of books. That would be a terrible, terrible fate. And so he was like, you have to buy yourself a Kindle. Like, this is final. Like, no more of this nonsense. And then it turned out to be, like, the best because it's waterproof. So I don't have to worry about, like, little drops of water on my pages. I didn't and even know lighter. waterproof. Wow. Yeah. Mine, I mean, I don't know that I would, like, submerge it. But, like, you can, <laughs> if it gets yeah. a little wet, you just wipe it off. It's no big deal. 
Amazing. Because sometimes I'm reading like, you know, you're reading like a hardcover and you're like, God, my arms are tired. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Hardcovers. I, I, I have a hard time. <laughs> I'm just, I have very weak wrists. I think. <laughs> it's probably all the typing. <laughs> okay. I have one uh, final question, uh, which we like to ask. And it's if you were to give advice for a real life happily ever after, what would be your advice? Oh my gosh. That's such a good question. I have never expected a question like that. I think for a real life happily ever after, I know that this is cliche, but I think for me, for example, I'm very direct. And so I really love the rule about not, if you have a disagreement or, you know, an argument or anything like that, not to go to bed on bad terms, because it's funny because my husband and I were kind of opposite in that way. I, if, if I'm unhappy with something, not necessarily with him, but just in general, like I got to say it. I have to just mm-hmm. come out with it because if I hold it in, I kind of just like fester. <laughs> I just, I'll actually get more spun up about something if, if it's internal. And he is very much like, let me be, I just need to, you know, be Zen with my own thoughts. And, you know, mm-hmm. he, if we were to get into a disagreement, he could go days without talking and, and just be fine with, you know, having time to himself. And I'm very much yeah. like, no, let's just solve like, things now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe it wouldn't work for everybody, but I also think, you know, but why waste, unless it's like a massive issue, why waste time being unhappy or being in like a, a crappy state? Why not, you know, talk things out and go to bed at least on decent terms so that when you wake up the next morning, it's a new day and, you know, you've got a clean slate. So I think that would be, that would be my advice. That is great advice. Also, you just described me and my husband's relationship to a T. Who, who's which? He's like, I'm you. I'm you. Okay. I'm like, hey, I'm mad at you. Let's talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, like, I feel like you're mad at me. Let's talk about it. Hey, like, whatever, whatever's happening in our life. Let's talk about it. And my husband's like, I'm going to be silent for the next four days while I <laughs> internalize all this nonsense. And I'm like, you can't be silent like we are and we have kids we have a two and five two and four year old so I'm like you can't we can't we have to talk we have children to raise we have a house we have you're insane it's so funny that's exactly Uh, my relationship so good (laughs) that's great no it's it's so much better when you when you just talk it out and solve it and then let's just talk about it for sure yeah move forward (gasps) yes well Amy this has been a delight what a way to spend an hour Thank you so much. This was great. And I love that last question. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Okay. Well, dear listeners, you can uh, check out Set On You wherever you like to buy your books. It is everywhere from Berkeley Romance. And until next time, may your books be your lover and your hands your best friend. Bye for now, friends. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.